Welcome to Anorak, the happy podcast for kids. We have questions, we have experts to answer them, and we also have some jokes. What kind of tree fits in your hand? A palm tree. We explore words. Hi, my name is Dr. Jing Huang. I do research and teaching in the area of applied linguistics, and I'm a lecturer at the University of Birmingham, England. Currently, I teach a group of postgraduate students coming from different social and cultural backgrounds. They are here to be trained to work as English language teachers at different places around the world. I always believe reading can help you the most to enhance your vocabulary size and to learn new words. You can always find something you are interested to read, and doesn't matter what kind of books or even articles you are reading, you'll definitely pick up some new words from that. Hi, my name is Valentina. I'm eight years old, and I live in the United States of America. How were words invented? To answer your question, first of all, I would like to emphasize how unique human language is. Unlike animal communication systems, which typically have at most a few dozen distinct calls, and they are used mainly to communicate immediate issues such as food, danger, or threat. Human language can express ideas on countless topics. Of course, we also communicate issues such as food or danger, but not only this. We use language to communicate other issues such as the weather, the past, the future, math, arts, gossip, fairy tales, and even how to fix a bike. Every human language has a vocabulary of tens of thousands of words, which are built up from several dozen speech sounds. But how did it start at the beginning, and how were words invented? Our researchers believe that it could not have been a bunch of cavemen sitting around and deciding to invent a language with certain words. For them to do so, they would have had to got a language to use, or at least have some words to start with. So many researchers believe that human ancestors created words by grunting or hooting or crying out, mostly to mimic animal gestures or sounds. And gradually, this early stage grunting or crying out. Developed into the sort of a language with words we have today, and this is closely related to the development of human brain. Let's also talk about English as one of the human languages to answer the question of how words were invented. The modern English we use now is emerged from the dialects and vocabulary of the Germanic peoples. Who settled in Britain in the fifth century CE? English has been influenced by different cultures and languages, including Latin, French, Ancient Greek, and a few others. Some researchers claim that there are a small number of English words which can be dated back 
15,000 years, and they are the oldest known English words. And these words, again, include mother, hand, we, who, bark, fire, ashes. And uh, we can tell fire was really a big deal back in the time. And um, also ashes is one of the oldest English words. How many words are there in the English language? Well, many people estimate there are more than a million words in the English language. In the second edition of the Oxford English Dictionary, there are around 600,000 words defined. Again, this includes many old-fashioned words that are not in common use anymore. Of course, dictionaries also expand every year to keep up with new words that are used in everyday lives or to include new meanings for words that already existed. A more useful number from the Oxford English Dictionary would be the uh, 170,000 words that are in current use in the English language. Where does the word word come from? It is a wonderfully interesting question. <laughs> well, I have to say, working as a linguist at the university, I directly see the question related to the discipline of etymology, which is to study the histories of individual words, to find out the lives of words, where a word is born, how it has lived and uh, has grown. So research in etymology provides us information about what words really mean and how they relate to other words. To talk about the modern English word, word itself, I can tell you this word has definitely many, many meanings. It means a single meaningful element of speech or writing in English. It also means signal, an order, or a short conversation. And of course, you can find all of the definitions of word in a dictionary. To talk about the, the word word and its root, well, I can just briefly tell you the word word has a Germanic origin, like many other English words. And also it is related to Dutch and German with a shared Latin root. Hello. My name is Molly. I'm 11 years old and I'm from England. Which words do you think are the most powerful? Many teachers probably use uh, Larry Bell's list of 12 powerful words in their teaching, especially at the secondary school level. And these words are chase, analyze, infer, evaluate, formulate, describe, support, explain, summarize, compare, contrast, and predict. But apart from seeing words being powerful from the educational perspective, I personally think words used in our day-to-day -day communication, words like thank you and please are also the most powerful words in English. I believe any words could be the most powerful to enrich the meanings created in our daily communication if we use them properly for constructive purposes. My name is Emma. I am 10 years old and I live in England. What is your favourite word and why? 
It is a very difficult question to answer. So I probably will start uh, with a little bit of background information. As of 2020, there are 1.27 billion English speakers around the world. And this makes English the most spoken language and official language of more than 50 countries. So it will be truly fascinating to ask individual speakers what their favorite words are. And it can be very difficult to answer this question. I myself do find it quite difficult to choose only one word as my favorite. So I will try to answer the question by listing a number of words which I like very much. The British Council has done a public poll in 2004 asking people to vote for the top 50 beautiful English words. And I was very pleased to see a number of words which I like very much and are also included, words like um, mother, passion, smile, love, freedom, peace, sunshine, sweetheart, hope, grace, twinkle, butterfly, lollipop, bumblebee, and kangaroo. These words are voted as most beautiful in English language, but why are they beautiful and why do people like them so much? A British linguist called David Crystal, he has done a lot of work trying to answer these questions. And he found that people favor certain words, firstly, because these words sound pleasing. So I personally do think lollipop, pumpkin, giggle, and kangaroo sound lovely. The second reason for people to favor certain words is the meaning of the word. So words like um, mother, passion, smile, hope, Grace, freedom, peace, they are beautifully positive meanings. And the word mother is ranked top one on the list of most beautiful words. So if I must choose one English word now as my favorite, I probably will choose the word peace, because we certainly do hope children around the world can always have peaceful lives with hope for the future. everyone, my name is Chitra Sounder. I'm an author, storyteller, writer of many, many different things. I live in London and I go across the world visiting schools, writing stories, a lot of the times just looking out of the window which trains go past and then I'll be just staring out of it. So it all depends on the day what I'll be doing in a given day. I probably started writing when I was six. I found my granddad's diary in which I had scribbled. It was three lines and it was completely bonkers, but it was supposedly a story in my head at that time. But I was always writing from that time on, but I was also doing a lot of oral storytelling because we were a family of oral storytellers and performers. I think I was first an oral storyteller before I was a writer, uh, but I was also in love with words. So I wanted to spend more time in my head, in my notebook. And for all my birthdays, what they'll ask me, what do you want? And I always say pencil and notebook. I was the cheapest child to look after. My name is Elias. I am six years old and I live in England. Why did you decide to write stories for children? 
One, because I think I didn't grow up at all. My brain is stuck at seven or eight years old. I'm usually more a friend for my nephews and I can connect with kids anywhere, everywhere. Like even on a tube, I look at a baby and I'm playing with a baby on the tube without anybody knowing we are, we are having some kind of a game going on. So I think my brain works like a child's brain. I'm very curious. I like to find out more interesting information. And I'm always looking at things going, will this fit into a nice story? So I don't think I ever thought I was going to write for adults because I grew up telling stories to my cousins during babysitting and during vacation time. I was always telling stories to all my younger cousins. And when I started writing, my first thought was I want to write for children because that's where my interest is. I do write for adults a little bit, but not too much. I write a couple of short stories every year or so, but that's about what I'm writing. But usually all my ideas, all my energy goes into writing for children because those stories can be much more magical and fun and interesting. And the readers are amazing when they are children. Florence, age 10, England. Which of your books are you most proud of? Oh, Florence, that is a very, very difficult question to answer because normally I'm proud of all my books, but you are right, some are more prouder than others. So I have written lots of different stories. Some are based on my growing up in India. Some are based on folk tales from India. But the thing that I'm really, really proud of it's a series of uh, chapter books called Sona Sharma series. And in these chapter books, I have imagined a family just like mine when I was growing up in India, but it is set in current times. And Sona has a little bit toy elephant and it's her best friend and imaginary friend. And she talks about everything with him and she solves lots of different problems. And in the second book, She's looking after planet Earth. So that's one of my proudest series that I'm writing. I have two more books to go in that series. Uh, so I hope you read it and tell me whether you are proud of it as well. What's your favorite page in a book? Uh, there are so many pages in every book, isn't it? Especially, I have both chapter books and picture books, and obviously the picture book wins in terms of the pages. So I was thinking about two different pages. Maybe you can go look it up in the library. Uh, one of my latest book is called We All Celebrate, which is all about festivals across the world in both Northern and Southern Hemisphere. And because now it's Chinese New Year's just come and gone, this dragon dance picture is one of my favorite and i have a mummy baby book called you're safe with me you're safe with me there's a beautiful spread of lightning on the page where the golden broken light spreads across the black page so that's another beautiful page that when i first looked at it i was like oh, oh my god so beautiful and they illustrated two weeks to illustrate it because there's so much to do on that page so these are both absolutely beautiful illustrations what you can do is go look them up on youtube videos and in the library you should be able to find a book and find those pages
We all celebrate the illustration which I just mentioned is by Jenny Bloomfield. And Your Safe With Me, which has got the lightning page, is by Puna Mystery. So obviously I don't do the illustrations I can't draw at all. The first Sona book, I made the grandmother character make up a lot of proverbs. My grandmother used to teach me a lot of proverbs, but also like a story. So every time she'll tell me a proverb, there'll be a story behind it. And I wanted to create a similar grandmother for the characters. And I basically created a grandmother who makes up her own proverbs. And I loved writing those. I loved writing new ones for each one of those books. And I think wordplay and playing with how things are said on the page is something that I really enjoy. How to bring multiple elements into it. Uh, like there's a recipe in some books and there'll be a poem in a book. One book was written completely as a play. So it's all that way of expressing yourself on the page and telling a story is my favourite thing to do. My name is Leah. I'm 12. I live in England. Have any of your books been made into theatre plays or films? Unfortunately, no. I'm trying. I'm trying to get them made into TV or plays. But what I did do was I wrote a story a long while ago. It's called Kina and the Kite Seller. And I didn't do anything with it. And then I converted into a play. And I roped in another friend of mine and we took it on the road. We performed in five different places as a play, a story theatre. And then I had the opportunity to publish it as a play and it came out as a play. So it came in reverse. I did the play first and then I did the book after. But they're very different because the play is obviously longer. The book is quite short, but very similar. And I wrote them as a play. And I'm hoping some of my books become TV. Fingers crossed. Hello, my name's Alec, I'm eight and I live in England. How do you know which word comes from which person? Ah, I'm not sure how that happens, but I know my characters are talking to me in my head. So what happens is when I start a story, usually it starts with a character. So I start writing the story, then new characters just appear on the page because this character is talking to somebody and then it just happens and I can feel what they're saying. And sometimes when I'm walking on the street, I see something and I will hear one of my characters commenting in my head from their own viewpoint. Then I realize, oh, this is how they would look at this particular thing. So sometimes that's because I visualize everything in my brain. So I'm actually typing what's happening like a movie in my head most of the time. But it also comes from practice. So there is a lovely writing exercise that you can all try. You can write one person doing something. For example, they are playing football and then they meet somebody who meets somebody, who meets somebody. So it's called a character relay. So you write four or five different characters. They're all connected a little bit to each other, but each time you introduce a new character in one page. So when you start practicing things like that, you will start understanding how to write characters, especially for Sona Sharma series. I've got some amazing reviews which talk about the character on the page so much because those characters feel very real and they say very real things 
but also they are lovely and they're funny. So you need to think about what kind of characters you want on the page. So is this person going to be a little bit mean? Is this person going to be nice? Is this person going to be a little bit silly or funny? So once you have an idea, then write it on the page and it never just as it's written, you can always go back and change. You can say, oh, well, this person wouldn't say that. And you can always go back and change. And 85% of all writing is editing. We don't actually publish what we write for the first time. It changes about 15, 20 times before it gets printed. So there's an, always an opportunity to go back and check whether what they're saying sounds right to you. I learned a trick a long time ago from another famous author called Andy Stanton, who wrote the Mr. Gum books. And he told me, even when you give an example, you have to say it as if this character is saying it, not as if the author is saying it. For example, if a character is a magician, then he, even his examples or words or what he uses will be very similar to what are the things he knows. If a person is a teacher, she'll speak differently. So you kind of work out what kind of person they are and you'll be able to imagine what they're saying and who is saying what. My name is Ming Chen. I am calling or talking to you from Hong Kong, where I'm based. And I co-authored a book or three books actually with my identical twin sister, Wa Chen, who is in Los Angeles right now. The book that Wa and I wrote is called Escape, One Day We Had to Run. And it's based on real life people who had to leave their country for whatever reason, political, economic, or social insecurity. And we took basically each double page spread is the way that the person escaped, the time period, and the country. So my twin sister and I grew up with our father, who is a pathologist, i.e. he studies how people died. He's also a liver specialist. And he wrote a book called Understanding the History of the Liver. And we would sit in our dining room and and I were actually probably about 18 years old. And we said, who's reading dad's book on understanding the history of the liver? Surely we can write a more interesting book. And then we started to think about what we would write as authors and then we said, well, we wouldn't want to write such a long book because our father wrote a book and it was probably about, I don't know, 500 pages. So we said, why don't we try a shorter book? And that's how we got into children's books. Who inspired you to write books for children? My twin sister, Juan, and I were inspired very much to write by authors such as, I don't know whether you've heard of Judy Bloom, who wrote the Super Fudge series. We absolutely adored the adventure story called The Scarlet Pimpernel which was penned in really, really long time ago by Baroness Orsi about Englishmen who helps French aristocrats escape the guillotine during the French Revolution. We love, love, love anything Agatha Christie. So we really were inspired by other authors. What kind of books do you write? We have written children's books that are based on strong female protagonists. Uh, our first book was called Sarsaparilla's New Shoes, about a little girl who gets hand-me-down shoes and turns them into different pairs of shoes, that fabulous shoes like moon boots or different types of shoes that she can wear. And then we wrote a second book called Ling Ling Looked in the Mirror, 
which is about Ling Ling, who dreams about all of the different things she can be, like a lion tamer, a fortune teller. And this most recent book published by Lantana, Escape, One Day We Had to Run, really was based on the fact that our nanny, when we were growing up, swam from mainland China to Hong Kong to escape famine during the 1960s. And she landed in New York and helped bring raise us until we were nine. And we'd always wondered sort of her origin story. How did she get to the U.S.? What was it like to swim across, you know, dark, shark-infested waters? And then we said, well, there are actually a lot of interesting stories about how people ended up where they are if they didn't originally come from the country. What does it feel like when you're writing? There are two feelings that you have. The first feeling is pain. You're kind of looking at a blank piece of paper and you're trying to figure out what could I write about and what should I say? That's the first part, which is sort of pain and fear. The second part, I would say, is, you know, that feeling when you stand in a forest or in a park and the breeze starts going on above your head and then you feel like, wow, the wind is carrying me. I'm getting cooler. I don't feel so much pain. It feels more like fluid. That's how I would describe it. So at first, you might be a little bit scared to get started or not know what to do or write. And the second one, after you have sort of an idea and after you have some flow, it feels really great. The first time that you get to actually feel your book in your hands is incredible. It is like receiving the best gift you've ever gotten ever, especially since you had a part in making it come true. Are your book ideas influenced by the outside world? Absolutely. Our ideas have been actually completely influenced by the outside world because Escape, One Day We Had to Run, is actually based on true stories of escape on how courageous people all around the world have to overcome like seemingly impossible obstacles in their flight to freedom. So each of our stories in Escape are based on real life people. What advice would you give to children like me who would like to become an author? My advice would be to get a notebook, get a pen, and start writing. Write down, if you can't think of a story that you want to tell, then start writing things that you hear or notice. For instance, our my twin sister's daughter, my wonderful niece, will stand there at airports and start listening in on other people's conversations. And we said, stop doing that, you're eavesdropping. But she said, I'm actually writing dialogue. So you can use real-life examples to start thinking about ideas for your story. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. And now, a message for the grown-ups. Be sure to stay up to date with our happy podcast series by subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like it that much, feel free to leave a review. Follow our happy news by visiting anorakmagazine.com where you can become a patron and register your child to be a little podcaster for our next series. Oh, and we are on Instagram too at anorakmag. See you soon. Goodbye.